I'm so glad we're finally getting to this movie. This is one of, the, like, at the top of my list of action movies through my whole life. I know it. So, I'm so glad we're finally, finally getting to it after all these years of doing the show. Yeah, we've been doing the show so long, and I just can't believe this has been sitting on the shelf this whole time. The, the whole time. Unbelievable. <laughs> and, but now now it gets its due. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome back. It's Reconcinimation, live from Hollywood. <laughs> And Recon Cinema Studios. I'm David Munchak. And I'm John Diner. Thanks for tuning back in. Uh, like I said, this is Reconcinimation. We're taking a look at movies from our youth, from our past, the 70s, 80s, 90s. And we're taking a look if they hold up now, how they hold up. Do we love them? Do we hate them now? Uh, how have they aged? What's their legacy? Lots to, lots to consider or consinimize. Or uh, reconcinimize <laughs> as time goes on, and uh, this one is a classic that's been with us for years, um, and it's going to be fun to take another look at it. Yeah, uh, quick plug: want to thank our friends uh, Curtis Moore for the great, creatively done poster this week. Yeah, glorious. Love all the artwork. Lots and, more where that came from. Absolutely. I'm going to use that joke every week. <laughs> and, of course, to E.K. Wimmer, uh, who composed our theme. Uh, it sounds lovely. It, it, it never ages. It is timeless and uh, makes us sound great. So thank you, E.K. E.K.Wimmer.com. And take, in, take a listen to what we're going to talk about this week. In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, Jet. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to leave. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. Blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. Ah! You were skinned alive! It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. 20th Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. That's it. It's Predator. Predator, baby. That's one hell of a trailer, too. That is, that is a movie. This yeah. is a movie. A movie's movie. Yeah, it's, it's a film, but also a movie. This is yeah. There's a difference between films and movies. This is a movie. This is a hot summer '80s film. This is probably what the best one <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> but this is definitely for me. This is top top three action movies. Wow. Two of which are directed by John McTiernan. But oh wow. Yeah. 
But you can feel the heat. You feel the heat, the jungle heat right off. I mean, I'm sweating watching this movie. I feel so humid in this can room. Can you feel it oh right now, God. the it's humidity just, in here? It's disgusting. We're going to get that. Let's get one of those interns. Maybe get a dehumidifier rolling. Yeah. yeah. Sean, get in. Let, bring the dehumidifier. Come on. Come on. Just roll that in. Just be quiet about it. And don't talk into the microphones. or Don't make a noise. And don't just quietly come in. If you need me, hand me a note. Yeah. A post-it. Put it right in front of my eyes. But uh, Predator. That's huh? too close. Oh, Sean, j- b- back up. Sean, see, you're screwing up the show. Just get, get out. Just, get out. Right. So, Predator, huh? What's your first memory of this movie? Oh, my first memory. It, it. This is this is one of those unfortunate lapses in um, in my movie vocabulary that I never saw it in the time it came out. You know, but it was around me all the time. So it was one of those on cable. Um, on, I think you know originally HBO and then on TV and it, and friends liked it. And I, it was just one of those movies I ended up not seeing. And um, but there was there was a, I've seen every big clip, every big death, like I, all, all the big raid on the camp. I've seen those in different random spots. I rem- remember seeing them like when we were when I rewatched the movie for this show. Rewatch, I guess, watched for the first time. Um, well, I was I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, I remember this. this. But I never saw it as one cohesive unit. But it was. Um, I just had a good time this time around in one, you know, one viewing. Yeah, you couldn't. It, it's totally different seeing clips of this. Yeah, like the get to the chopper. Right. Get to the chopper. When you hear, when you see that clip versus when you watch the whole piece, you know, as one one solid movie. Yeah, it's a totally different story. I, similar to you, like I, the fir- my first memory of this is seeing a clip of it. I was in Movies 1, which was the first video store that we used to go to when I was a little kid. Uh, we were in my dad. I don't know what my dad was doing in there, but I, would, I, was wander, I remember wa- always wandering around that video store uh-huh. by myself and, of course, finding myself in the horror section and being completely fascinated with the old. Now, this is the, the dying days of beta the Betamax transition into VHS. Oh my God. Was yeah. Beta still around in like 88? Like, well, no, it, yeah, it was definitely still around. Yeah. I think, I think we bought our last one in like 87 or something. Okay. I don't know why we still were, but yeah, uh, they were pretty much phased out, but they were still in some rental stores mm-hmm. and I'm wandering through the video store. And as they did in every single video store, there's always a movie playing behind the counter, right? Yeah. So I remember looking up and seeing the raid. The raid section is the, the uh-huh. part that they were up to. And I remember that wide shot of all the, you know, Dutch's, his group, like, coming over that uh-huh. hill into the compound yeah. where you see, like, all of them, like, what each one of them is doing. Mm-hmm. And this is you know, either late 87 or early 88, and I'm deeply in my G.I. Joe phase. So anything uh-huh. military... Related was uh, definitely at the the forefront of my brain. So I'm watching, and I'm just completely transfixed on it. And they're just massacring uh, this this group. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I have to see this movie. I must see this immediately. I think if I was the if I was that age and seeing that scene by itself with no context, I would have just been 
uh, no thanks. <laughs> I, I did not have I did not have a GI Joe face. I mean, my played GI Joes with my friends, and my brother watched the cartoon, and I watched the cartoon because there was a cartoon. Well, you know? so, yeah, you that know? was every day after school. Yeah. So. so I, but I never had the little figures. My cousins did though. My cousins had the the giant battleship uh oh, toy set like mm-hmm. that looked humongous in the basement seven feet it, long it was huge um so it was to me it was like you were having a gi joe phase all the guns all that military stuff and for me i was not i i, I went more of the fantasy route just like i would i'd be more apt to watch a he-man which i didn't really enjoy that as much either but or like a ninja turtle uh, a ghostbusters mm-hmm. cartoon transformers well, um, Yay or not? Nay? I like Transformers, but I wasn't. It, it was like GI Joe to me. It was. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been the gunplay, honestly. And I, I never was necessarily avert. I've seen tons of action movies. I love action movies. Lots of gunplay, even as a kid. But there was something about cartoon gun things that my GI Joe, Transformers, the GoBots. You don't like those red and blue lasers? Nah, it just didn't do it for me. I didn't get it. <laughs> that wasn't I, real enough for you? <laughs> no, I need. Uh, that I is what real I military battles real. look like, right? Yeah, no, I thought it was too real. I wanted the fantasy. I wanted your Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know things like that. Well, you like the lighter, uh, the lighter. I don't want to say comedic, but the light-hearted yeah. cartoons. A little easier real, to digest. Real Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Real Muppet Ghostbusters. Babies. And real Ghostbusters. Trust me, that that certain villains on that show scared the heck out of me. There's some freaky animation in that. Like the Sandman, uh, the Boogeyman, mm-hmm. uh, and then what the uh, Sam Sam what? Uh, Sam Hain. Sam, Sam Hain. Hain. Yeah. My God, these those are three mega awesome villains to put in. That's that show scared me. Yeah. Anyway, the I totally get though, like having that GI Joe phase and then just seeing it like come to life, really, and. Yeah, that because in watching this film today and that's that sequence is just it's incredible. It's it's really well done. I was I loved not just the G.I. Joe cartoon and, and the toys especially, but I love the comic books. Oh, yeah. And the comic books are a little bit darker than the show. Oh, my gosh. Like people actually die in the comics. And uh, I there's one issue where like a viper massacres the G.I. Joe team and kills like 10 of the main characters. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, so like real heavier adult stuff in the comics, yeah, like uh, like murder, killing lots yep. of characters, yeah, embezzlement, adultery, not adultery, things like that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but Predator was like a real life version of GI Joe to me. I'm like, this is what yeah. GI Joe could be. Yeah, that's my he- eight year old brain. But yeah, these are these guys were heroes. They were going. They were they had their orders uh, to think that they were gonna do a nice little rescue mission. Yeah, but. Uh, but then my first actual memory of watching the movie as a whole, mm-hmm. so it was the 4th of July, 1988, and I had I, I used to read the TV guide. Well, we didn't get the TV guide. We got, I think it was called the TV book. It came in the Sunday paper. TV it was book. Like, yeah, it was like... It had know, the whole week shows, The whole right? week, yeah. yeah. Okay, I had those. Uh, and I remember I would read that every week, and we had just gotten cable, so of course I'm studying nice. HBO and Cinemax and the movie channel and and what's what's coming up that weekend, and I saw Predator was going to be on like eight o'clock Saturday night. Oh baby! Or whatever night Fourth of July was. Mm-hmm. And my whole neighborhood would go down to the end of our street. We lived on a cul-de-sac, so it would be like a party, uh, and we would all go down there and have, you know, the adults would have drinks and the kids would all play together and we light off fireworks and I was 
I was not interested in that. I was like, I need to watch Predator. How am I going to do that if I have to be down there? Mm-hmm. So everybody went down to the cul-de-sac. Everybody's hanging out. And I quietly slipped away, snuck back up the street, went into the house, and flipped on HBO and sat in front of the TV and watched Predator by myself. Oh my as god! As an eight-year-old, little 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 Johnny, <laughs> little Johnny, with his YooHoo, his glass of YooHoo, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, everyone watching uh, explosions with the fireworks. You're watching some real explosions. My brain's exploding the, with joy in from... the jungle. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just loving it. Well, uh, so yeah, that was my first my first viewing, and I've I've watched this movie many times, and to me. We'll get to this towards the end, but this movie does not age. I, I, I love it as much yeah. now as as I did then. But we'll we'll get to that by the end of the show. Sure, sure. Um, this is an Arnold staple. This is, I mean, if you rank the Arnold movies, mm-hmm. where do you put this one? Well, for me, it's top four, probably. Absolutely, top yeah. four, maybe. Yeah, maybe it could be higher could be top two this is to me, me this is top three but yeah what I do you mean, think terminator it's the as much as i've always known arnold uh, terminator 2 is where i activated on him like in terms of that's to me the ultimate movie for me i, I, I think you're not alone there i think that's yeah. generally considered his ultimate yeah the ultimate arnold movie and it's probably the one that made the most money for him oh uh, for sure or for yeah. in, or in hollywood that's an epic movie yeah it's fantastic and uh you know terminator the terminator um you know twins <laughs> of course yeah, that's twins. up there for you um you like your top three are twins kindergarten cop and junior right yeah in that order followed by jingle all the way and then, then you get the terminator Termi- right? yeah i mean I, I was just i just assumed you knew those there that's why i was just jumping right into that's terminator. an assumption so minus the, your top four after those ones yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but this is top three, definitely. Yeah, I would go. I mean, I think you have to put term, uh, uh, definitely Terminator Two mm-hmm. uh, as probably your number one. Mm-hmm. To me, Predator's number two. Nice. Yeah. Then I would say Terminator One, and then some version of Conan Commando mm-hmm. after that. Total Recall. Absolutely. True Lies. That's uh, you can mix oh, a lot of those. True Lies. Up. Yeah, True Lies is probably in my top four for Arnold for me. Well, so that's probably my fourth movie. Yeah. That's a lot. I, just true lies is fantastic this is a complete package yeah this movie is like it has it all it's the the absolute formula of an action movie Mm -hmm. i don't think it really misses a beat there's not really any plot holes i mean anything i nothing really jumps to mind when you're watching it is like oh that's oh that's a mistake oh they missed this so they forgot this plot yeah plot point there, there's not things that happen just because the writer says it. Like everything makes sense in its own little world. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything comes into play. They kept it really simple. It's a simple. When you break it down, it's a very simple story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't overcomplicate it. They don't overcomplicate it with anything. Mm-hmm. They and a lot of see. I have a problem with modern action. Mm-hmm. That I think they've. They introduce way too many plot points and plot devices, too many characters. Uh, mm. A movie like, I'm just going to throw out, Wanted. <laughs> yeah. I have major problems with that movie. But oh, really? They just, they ju- not just that specific one, but a lot of modern action movies, they just have to, they have to keep topping themselves. 
Well, yeah. One thing after another after another, and it's so complicated and complex. This is just very straightforward, uh, very simple story. Um, I agree with all of that. <laughs> Good. I mean, I'm... <laughs> but so should we just kind of go through, like, really what happens? Like, I mean, yeah. If you have, if you haven't, wa- if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the movie in a while, we're just we're gonna just cover the plot really kind of quickly yeah. an overview of it. Okay. So Predator is movie starts with you see an alien spaceship. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, a, a really important piece. This one shot in the opening part of the movie. Yeah, it establishes some info. Something from another planet has come to Earth. Yeah, and it's something that, as you go through the movie, if you didn't have this opening shot, it would be a it would be a little bit of a different movie. It would be it would be kind of like from dusk till dawn, because you think the movie is about one thing. And then it takes a right turn, and it's actually about something completely different. If you didn't have that opening shot in there, yeah, it gives the audience a little assurance that okay, what you're seeing is what's happening to this team, Arnold's team, and all of that. Like, no, there's the reason they can't figure this out is because it's an alien, because it's from another world. So we at least know that we don't have any more details than that. But at least that that gives you that gives you the the shorthand to say, yeah, there if this thing is doing all this damage and all that. That's, that's why mm-hmm. uh, it's just sort of like a computer solves everything kind of thing, but it's the shorthand that you need. Um, and it's interesting too, because you don't, we don't have any kind of time frame of when that predator comes to earth. Yeah. It could have been hundreds of years ago. It could have been, you know, a few months before it yeah. could have been a few days. We, we have no idea. It could have been studying, you know that area or humanity for quite a while you don't even know yeah you don't even know if he's alone technically Mm -hmm. i mean you know yeah there's there's not enough information but there's just enough so we see that the spaceship fall to earth but then what we're we start in the hollow is it that are we go right into the helicopter we go right into the helicopter and the brilliant alan silvestri score yeah i mean like the score that opening theme just completely sets the tone yeah, that's what I love so much about this is that basically you're basically jumping right into the middle of an action movie because the score isn't just a it isn't light. It it's as though bam, these guys, this team, they're in the helicopter, they're going to get their mission, they're going to k- take care of business. Like the music communicates all that while you're sort of watching a kind of boring sequence of helicopter landing, guys getting out, guys getting into a jeep, guys going down the camp. It and while that's informative, um, there's nothing actiony about it, but the music, man, that just keeps you in the moment. Like these guys are, these guys are already uh, the badasses. We're going to see them be, you know, actually be. Yeah, the music defines the characters. Yeah, I mean that that you get all your information for the shot where the helicopter lands and this and the door slides open and you just look at them. You get all your information right there of who these guys are and what they're about. Yeah. And then you get next why they're actually here. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's like movies are like a visual medium. Like you, you learn. Oh my every... god, they are! <laughs> wow, we, we learned a lot about these guys just by what we see on the screen. It's kind of nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> and the music is just serves to uh, buttress it. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the answer, but it's word of the support. week. Buttress, mm-hmm. but. Uh, so we then we, then we find out why we're here. Yeah. Arnold comes into the compound and is met by R.G. Armstrong, who's a great character actor from old westerns and and just and I think one of the last times you see him is Dick Tracy. Mm. Uh, great actor though. So he explains 
And then you see, you also see uh, Carl Weathers. Yeah, Carl Weathers is there in his tie. And his, yeah, he and, must be a suit. And he and Arnold are, go back and they, well, you they get, greet well, each other, right? There's, there's several moments in this movie that is like ultimate masculinity. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, probably, of, especially of the 80s movies, this m- may have some of the most masculine moments <laughs> in cinema history. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Topped by the slap. You son of a bitch. What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? I mean, that is glistening biceps. Mm -hmm. Very similar to mine. Yep, always. Mine look like either. You could just, it's a toss-up. Mine look like either one. Yeah. Depending on the angle. Yeah, depending on the angle, it's like, but I think that's Carl Weathers' arm. (laughs) (laughs) Or, no, that's that's John's. It's John's. So Carl uh, is there. Dylan is his character name. Then greets him. He's the one that basically recruited Arnold's team. Dutch is uh, Arnold's character's name. Yeah. So he recruits Dutch's team. They've worked together. uh, That for basically what Arnold, what Dutch thinks is a rescue op. Yeah, his team is a paramilitary team, which is like a group that works for. They're not in the military, but they work with the military. Like the military would hire them for specific missions. Yeah. Uh, So they're brought in. Uh, Dylan brings him in because he has a history with Dutch. They somehow serve together. Yeah. Uh, Dutch thinks it's a rescue mission, but Dylan's kind of hiding some info. He's yeah. kind of setting up what they're really there for. Um, and so, what the team uh, descends into the dense jungle. Yeah. So we meet. So we get some character development. They take a nice little helicopter ride. Mm-hmm. We get some racy dialogue by <laughs> Jesse the Body Ventura uh, <laughs> and Shane and- Black. Yeah, and Shane Black, and we'll we'll go through the actors in a, in a few minutes here. But they are sent into the jungle for what they think is a rescue op for a. Uh, they think they're there to rescue a government official who's disappeared with another with a with Dylan's team. Yeah. So and and there's an interesting shot too. When there's a, sh- a shot of Dylan looking down at the jungle from the helicopter, mm-hmm. and. It gives a real sense of like how they're going to be blanketed and enveloped, enveloped is that a word? Enveloped, enveloped, yeah, 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 by the jungle. That he's it's at last like questioning what they're doing if they should be doing this or not. It's pretty scary to think, you know. It's it's like jumping into the ocean from exactly. that height. Like you don't know what's under the surface. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So they dive in and pretty quickly they find a crashed helicopter with bodies just strung up and yeah. right away they know they're i think they have a beat of like are they in over their heads like this is not something they've encountered before this kind of brutality yeah there's something and there's something off about that these 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 trained highly trained soldiers were not only killed but then skinned alive and hung in the jungle as sort of a um a a message <laughs> or something so they something's up they, this is not your typical and they're unnerved kind of right away by it. Yeah. These giant men who have faced a lot of probably horrors and, and, and done a lot of things, they've never seen anything like this. Yeah. So immediately the mission's already getting a little a little oh, weird. A little dicey. Yeah, there was a lot of like tugging at the collar. Like all of them, all of them in the movie. Every time like, Arnold does it. Yeah. Just tugging at the tie. Um, but the, but the mission has to continue, so they make their way through and get to. They finally get to the compound. Yeah, the the, the compound where 
you see uh, you see Sven Oli Thorson, mm-hmm. who's another actor who appears in so many of Arnold's movies. Yeah. He's a friend of Arnold's from growing up, I think, in their bodybuilding days in Austria. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's assuming some... Uh, I don't know, assuming he's a Russian, this is a Russian involvement here. Yeah, they 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 quickly learn like there's guys speaking Russian with the with the local like rebel C- Central American some, yeah. rebels, like something. So something a plot a bigger plot's going on, mm-hmm. uh, that, and you see him execute one of the uh, assuming American hostages. Yeah, like just shoots him right in the head. Shoots super the violent. Head. Yeah, it, it's it. They don't cut away from it. It's you know they do like a behind the guy's head it looks savage like yeah. he just kills the guy he's tied up like with his arms behind his back and dutch sees it or the, you know they all see it and that's when they're they make the decision we need to go in now and and rescue whoever's left in there yeah that's what they're there for so and, they think and then i think we can talk more about it but basically they raid this compound in a, a beautiful mili- a, a great a perfectly executed military operation taking out the like the, the sentries keeping watch and basically blowing the whole place to hell and you see the efficiency of this team and you really this is where you really get the sense of the teamwork the camaraderie and kind of the, i guess the bond between all of these guys i mean yeah. they're an elite unit they each have a role they know what each other's doing yeah. arnold is a or dutch is a, a a great leader in that he's assigned them to certain specific points and it's very clear that they're quietly taking out the outer sentries and the outer guards and they just move in yeah and like i was saying before this is the scene that i first saw yeah where they raid the compound and it's epic massive destruction yeah it's incredible lots of lots of bullets being flown about explosions grenades i mean it's unbelievable well and and these this is again where you see the characters start standing out they each have a different look and this is something we talked about on young guns they each have a look they each have a weapon that's distinctly different from each other yes I yes. mean, you, when you see, like, Jesse Ventura's Gatling gun, mm-hmm. I mean, that thing is, that is a beast. Yeah, and Poncho has a grenade launcher of mm-hmm. some sort. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's lots of uh, folks who listen who understand what these actual weapons are called by their codes. And yeah, we that. don't. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but I know they're cool. <laughs> I love guns. Yeah, I mean, Jesse's gun is... It's like a mini Gatling. Yeah, it's like a mini Gatling gun. He walks around with a giant pack of bullets on his back, mm-hmm. and the thing itself probably weighs 150 pounds. Yeah, like, and he's walking around the jungle with yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then they're just destroying, blow, just destroying the whole compound. It's a really great sequence of just destruction. And then eventually, they then they once things have calmed down, they've got to the the heart of why they're really there. They find a you know the headquarter or you know the office of that whole compound mm-hmm. it's papers. full of, full of, full of papers there's so many papers uh, Dylan runs in he's rock hard about how much information they have to glean and it turns out this was more of a this is a big intelligence operation mm-hmm. as well uh, not really for rescue and, uh, and was, yeah the whole point was to murder everyone there um, so uh, you know Dutch uh, knocks out the one remaining person, the 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 woman. Right. I'm blanking on her name. Uh, she was one of the last ones left. Knocks her out, and then he's got to go toe to toe. Her name's Anna. Thank and, you. Yeah, there Anna. You go. Women. The one woman. The one in the woman. Movie. <laughs> one woman. Thank you for at least there's one female, unless the predator herself. We should just call the predator she. <laughs> sure. Just in case we Maybe. don't know. We don't know. We don't know anything. 
Uh, so then we can say there's at least two females in the film. Sure. Anyway, but Dil- Dylan and Dutch have to go at it now. D- Dutch is pissed that he's been misled, that they were brought in to be well, killers. Not even just misled, but lied to, lied really, to. By, by someone he considered his friend. Yeah. Because Dutch Dutch and his team would never take a mission where, hey, we got to go into the jungle and kill dozens of guys because they're a threat to whatever. They, they don't murder uh, for their jobs. They don't do operations like that. They'll, they'll obviously kill in, in a, maybe a rescue operation, you know, something that's got a, a real With objective. With the purpose of saving. Preserving lives, yeah. saving lives. Um, but not, you got to kill, kill people to save lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now Dutch is betrayed. I mean, Dylan, what's great is that Dylan understands that this was what he had to do to accomplish his mission, and he doesn't really apologize for it. No, he, and, he stands by, you know, he stands his ground. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, well, again, we'll get to it when we talk about the cast. But Dylan's a really interesting character. Yeah. That he's... You never at no point do you really dislike him. Even when you you discover that he's deceiving them this whole time, you st- I still like him. Yeah, me too. Part of it's Carl. I mean, maybe it's because it's Carl Weathers, and I don't think you can dislike Carl Weathers. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he's uh, he's a gem. But I think part of it is he's in he's in it with them all. Like he, mm-hmm. he's put himself at risk just as much. Um, so I think that at least informs you that he's competent. He's grossly competent. He's not just some like some suit an actual suit who's just giving orders through a telephone right this is what your mission is yeah he's there right he's in it with them yeah so i think part of it is like they can have differing opinions about why they should be in the jungle um but at least they're all at risk i mean dylan's dylan's terrible because he put them all at risk for the wrong reasons they didn't know what they were getting into but is he that terrible as a military guy doing his job as a maybe a cia i think i think it's inferred that he's cia yeah I mean, leaving the morality judgments aside, I still like Dylan no matter no matter what. Uh, just in terms of how he's in this movie, I think yeah. it's, it's it's great because if he became com- completely unlikable, it, it's really hard. It would be hard to keep going with this film. I yeah, think, at least part of it, because but, then things start changing after we get out of the exactly. Compound. That's that's what I was about to say. This is the turning point of the movie. So we're, we think it's about one thing, or they think it's about one thing, and this is where we see, nope, this is about this is a completely different thing that they didn't they didn't even know about. Yeah. Well, we because interspersed in this, we've been seeing uh, the predators been hunting, uh, tracking them, we're tracking. We, yeah. We see the thermal imaging from like what the what the predator sees. Right. So he's been tracking them up and even before they get to the compound. only, but we only okay. see it. I think once. Or, we see it probably twice. I think. I think twice. Yeah. Yeah. That you you know something's watching them, you know something's following them. It's a reminder to the audience of what the actual plot is, yeah, versus what they think they're doing. Yeah, exactly. But remember, yeah, you're here to see a monster movie, right? <laughs> a monster horror movie. So you got to remind the audience every so often, like, oh, this is why you're here. Yeah. Um, so now the guys are gonna go. They've they've basically completed their mission, and it's time to get to the drop zone where you know the uh, so they can get out of the jungle. But they're gonna have to travel it's, because they're in a very hilly. Very uh, tree line, jungly, a very jungle. jungly it's a jungle. jungle. It's a jungle out there, uh, but there's no place for a helicopter to land to pick these guys up. So they have to travel back over the border and get out. Yeah, I think they said it's about like, like seven miles. They've got to go through kind of rough jungle territory. Yeah, something like that. So that's that's the next objective for them. But little do they know, the murder's about to happen. There's gonna be some. There's gonna be some predation. Predation. Predator. Pred- yeah, predation, predatoring, 
predatoring is happening. Yeah, that's uh, a word. We but, like new words on this show. But that we uh, the 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 Anna is captured. She does, her hands are tied. She has no weapon. She does find a moment to escape, and the uh, you could see the predator tracks her. She, mm-hmm. He sees that she's escaping, and then of course is it uh, Hawkins? Hawkins? Hawkins runs after her to make you know they got to bring her back to the party, right? And, uh, and he gets so he's. This is where it starts to become a traditional horror movie in a sense. Yeah, that characters get separated, and when they're separated is when they're eliminated. Yeah, and so and. So one by one, as things go on, I mean, so Hawkins is the first to die, and then they they still don't know that they're being tracked by some other well, worldly thing. So it continues to build, and like, what is going on? Well, each death is there's there's they think there they think there's a few rogue military guys around. The way that these guys are getting killed one by one is so gruesome and disgusting. They they're like, this can't be real. This is something different. Yeah. And um, they're being hunted. This isn't just like a couple of guys still going after them. They're actually being hunted. So then it's a game of survival. Uh, one by one, they're eliminated. Yeah. It boils down to you get a couple of moments, more moments of like super uber masculinity. Yes. Uh, These guys are men's men, mm-hmm. but they're being run down. Really, they're like, this is the Arnold or Dutch is the equivalent of. Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, he's the last to survive. Yeah, and he's got to go and use his wits. The, like I was saying, the, yeah, the formula of this is pretty much the same as your traditional, especially '80s horror movie. Hmm. One by one, the teenagers are getting killed through gruesome ways, and it boils down to one survivor who's got to fight back against the the monster or the villain. Yeah. Same thing happens in this. Yeah. This is a slasher so, film. Dutch is a teenage girl. He's a teenage. <laughs> yeah. He's the he's the last girl. Yeah. Or he's final the last. Girl. What do they say final girl? Is that what they call him sure. in the, hor- the the slasher films? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's the he's the one that ends up uh, going toe to toe after getting Anna to run off. Anna still makes it through. She's the she doesn't have a weapon. He there's a, there's a theory that it's because she is a captive. The predator. Yeah, is. there's an there's an angle that I don't know if it originated with fans or, or where it came from, but there is an angle to this movie that the predator is not only stalking them, but when he sees there's a moment where where Mac calls uh, calls Dylan over and he tells him to turn around and he's got a scorpion on his back and he's skewers the scorpion and then squashes it yeah predators watching this happen and and this is where he takes some of the audio recordings too but when they leave you see through predator vision it come up and it scoops up this scorpion and just kind of holds it and examines it yeah and there's a theory that i mean it's hunting these guys anyway but it almost is taking revenge because it sees these guys hurting defenseless things one of which is the scorpion, another of which is Anna. Anna's the only one without a weapon. And they're, you know, when it when it takes out Hawkins in the beginning, Hawkins is chasing her through the woods. Right. Hawkins is armed, Anna is not. And it's a theory that it's sort of, the predator's taking almost like revenge and possibly even protect trying to protect the defenseless uh, beings. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because on a very surface level, you can infer that the, like, 
they do figure out and Dutch says like she can't hold a weapon that's why it's not trying to hunt you so at least there's maybe something about there's honor to how he's killing these people like yeah. he's, he's gonna go for someone that can do damage but yeah the scorpion scene is great and I didn't realize at the time like he holds the dead scorpion in his hand and because it's thermal there's you just see a black outline of the scorpion mm-hmm. and I think his hand gets redder like it, the, the, it gets hotter yeah and I didn't realize that at the time when you're we saying that it's like there's actually emotion in the predator. He's like, he's pissed off that the, this thing that kind of looks like him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could be long you know, lost cousins, but it's just, he can't, you know, he doesn't understand or he doesn't, he's, he's upset that these guys with all these guns are just killing whoever they want. And, uh, and I, I think that was great that there's like an emotional component to the predator. Yeah. I, ne- I had no idea about that. I think that's kind of, if that theory holds, which well, I think it, it does. I and it could, I think it does. I mean, his no hand gets could. red, like he's mad. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when he's like, all right, that's it. Yeah. These guys are done. Yeah. It's time to, time to skewer some folks. I mean, and, and he does go after them in, no, I don't, vicious ways. I mean, he's definitely like, like when he takes out Jesse Ventura, he's up in the trees Basically sniping him, essentially. Well, yeah, that's kind of my... A few of them he snipes. Couple. That's kind of my problem with it. Is like he's got uh, the other component of the Predator. He's got camo vision, so... Or camo... Camouflage. Yeah. Not camo vision. But so he's he's hard to, to see. You can't really see him. So he's taking these positions in the jungle. And then, yeah, he basically snipes Jesse Ventura. And then he... He snipes Poncho later on. Yeah, well, Poncho's, Poncho's like injured and yeah. dying. And he <laughs> snipes him through the head. Uh and then, uh, you know, and then he gets right up on uh, Bill Duke mm-hmm, when Mac. Duke, yeah, yeah, sorry. And so he gets right up on Mac while he's like crawling under logs and stuff, and just just shoots him straight in the head. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he's giving any of these guys a fighting chance. So he's basically doing big game hunting, like the way people will go mm-hmm. from rich people will go with their big game and go just hunt hunt wild animals that could kill you if you had to confront them. Right. But you're not doing that. You're gonna make. You're just trying to get a good so shot. So you're saying it. these the, the Dutch's team is like deer with guns. <laughs> sort of. I think so. Okay. It's uh. No, it's true though. I mean, he has the complete upper hand the whole time. He's got the advantage. Yeah. There's almost no way they could get him. I mean, they can't even see him. Yeah. And that's part of the thing why they're so unnerved when Anna's the first the first one to actually see something. Yeah. Like she says, the jungle came alive. Yeah. So and that's when they're like. Okay, we're we might be in over our heads. Yeah. Although they still at that point think that their military might can overcome that. Yeah. But eventually it does come down to what's Dutch comes, and the Predator. Dutch and the Predator basically in a fist fight. It is a fist fight. Mm-hmm. And Dutch it really takes a beating. <laughs> well, and and it's interesting too because at that point the Predator is essentially overconfident. Yeah. He's taken out everybody. He yeah. takes off his gear. He drops all of his gear off so he can just one-on-one fight Dutch. Well, plus Dutch doesn't have a weapon, so the only weapons they have left are their fists. Right, and it goes back to the theory. Yeah. Goes, yeah, it goes back to that theory earlier of of defenseless defenseless beings here. So yeah. it's going to go. It would The Predator would have the ultimate advantage over Arnold or Dutch. Dutch has no weapons left, so he's going to match him and at least yeah. have a fair fight. That's what I liked about that ending. That climax at least makes it gives Arnold a fighting chance at the end because, like, again, the camouflage and his sniping and his weapons. Yeah, it's a shoulder-mounted thing that has a computer that helps him aim. We see 
the computer graphic, you know, putting that triangle and the three dots on people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not like he's not even aiming a weapon himself. He's letting a computer do all the work. Yeah. Uh, so it is sort of like, is he a great hunter? I mean, he's not in the way that you would think. Like he's hunting because it's a challenge. Well, he's using technology. Yeah. Mean, Some yeah. So that's what makes the climax, I think, really cool. Where I mean, he did get physical. He ran up on uh, Hawkins and you know. Slashed him to death. He probably killed Billy. Uh, yeah. We, you know, we see Billy die. We don't see Billy die. He dies off screen. We hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, he got physical when it was time to confront Dylan. So mm-hmm. there's at least a component of him engaging his targets. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was the couple of those sniper things, kind of basically cheap shots. Yeah. That made it like mm, you're not that great, but he still m- manages to slaughter everybody. Yeah. Uh, until until Arnold gets the upper hand. And gets to fly home on a helicopter, forever Yay. changed. So that is Predator. That's a quick. That's a quick mm-hmm. rundown of the uh, beats of the movie. But. Yeah, but um, but so I mean, let, let's go back to where. How did this movie even come about? Yeah, it's interesting because the, the the original script was written by Jim and John Thomas, who were not established screenwriters at the time. This is basically their first movie. Yeah. Uh, they were on the Fox studio lot and slipped it under and just slipped them the script. Yeah, just like you do. Like slip, you do. Slip you the just, script. Like in Bowfinger, you just drop it on people's tables at restaurants. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So um, they slide, literally sl- slid a script under an executive's door yeah. who read it. I, I think uh, if someone had the, the courage to do that, you should mm-hmm. at least give them the time and read that script or at least the first few pages yeah i, mean, I think you you probably always read the first five ten pages of mm-hmm. any script you're given right yeah and uh if it's good if it engages you yeah uh, that's so, clearly what happened this thing was immediately brought into development right yeah this kind of went the the executive read it and went showed it to the head of the studio and they kind of greenlit it for into development amazing enter joel silver into the picture uh, who's Joel, let's talk about Joel Silver? Yeah, let's, uh, he's a producer. Right? He is a he's a producer. What kind of producer? A big time producer. He's actually one of the biggest producers of the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Joel Silver is a producer who came up in through the seventies. He worked a lot with Walter Hill on some of his early movies, oh, Warriors yeah. and Forty Eight Hours. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, just was groomed under his wing. By this, by the mid '80s, he's starting to produce his own films, and they're like the biggest movies of the '80s. Mm-hmm. He produced Predator, the Lethal Weapon movies, Die Hard. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of bigger action movies than that, yeah. other than Rambo. Right. Uh, so that's kind of top of the line. But he's not even doing just action movies, right? Because he had like, yeah, weird, weird didn't science, he do weird, weird science, and, and yeah, he's all over the jumping place. Jumping Jack Flash, yeah, uh, Whoopi. 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 Welcome to the show, Whoopi. It's your first mention. <laughs> we should ring a bell every time we first mention an actor. Well, there'd be a louder bell ringing here in these early yeah. episodes. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, Joel Silver's the... What did you call him when we were talking once? Mega producer. Yeah. He's, a, he, he's the biggest. So Joel's developing this project. And the original script, it's interesting because Billy is the main character. Oh, Billy. In the first he, draft of the script, Billy was... There was I don't know if there was I don't know if there was no Dutch character mm-hmm. or Dutch was more of a side character and Billy was the leader of the team. Somewhere along the way, Arnold, who is by this point 
the biggest movie star. Yeah. I mean, arguably the biggest star in America. He's, yeah, he's right up there. I mean, I would think in 1986 when they this movie was shot, Arnold Stallone, I mean, who else? Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are some of the biggest names out there. But Arnold's movies are kind of kicking yeah. Batuski at well, the box office. The last ones right before this, though, were like Commando, right? Yeah, and Commando. Like... Uh, Red Heat was 87. Uh, but he's he's coming off some big movies. Yeah, so yeah, he, so he's going to come on the project. He's bringing heat to this thing. and so <laughs> Red Heat. So he probably, probably wouldn't be suitable to play the Native American hunter tracker guy. I can't see... Billy. <laughs> played by... Austrian, Austrian Arnold as <laughs> yeah, a Native a American. American. Yeah. What if he... <laughs> I'm surprised you never did one of those movies. <laughs> hey, if Sean Connery could play all the... He could play a Russian, a Spaniard. I oh, mean, right. oh my God. <laughs> uh-huh, a Scottishman? <laughs> I'd buy that one. Yeah. Oh, you buy that one? Yeah. <laughs> Great Scottish accent. Uh, so Arnold gets involved with the project and, and really is taking... O- not taking over completely, but is just as involved as... Joel Silver is. Yeah. They bring John McTiernan into the project to direct, who uh, really hadn't done much. He was a theater director uh, who was just coming off a film called Nomads with uh, Peter Weller. Oh. So not a huge uh, huge film. So it was an interesting choice to bring McTiernan in uh, to this project. Well, it says something to Joel Silver, though, because at this end of the day, you're looking for a storyteller and someone mm-hmm. who can who can make make something out of these scripts and make sure that it's you're giving the tightest uh you know it's easy to go yeah it's easy to slide in the wrong direction in these action movies Mm -hmm. i think it's really hard to keep it believable in the world of the movie yeah and to keep an audience engaged and not let them slip off or just lose them with something that's too ridiculous yeah so mctiernan especially in his early films was a master at keeping the story tight, keeping it moving, and keeping it engaging. Yeah. With Predator, Die Hard, uh, with Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. I would argue with Die Hard 3 as well. I know it's not a favorite for a lot of people. But what? It's, there's a lot of people who hate Die Hard 3. People don't like Die Hard 3? <laughs> that's like my... That's honestly... I mean, Die Hard's great, but if you wanted to be like, let's watch a Die Hard movie, I'd be like, let's watch Die Hard 3. That's a great movie. Samuel Jackson? Are you kidding me? There's a lot of there's so many Die Hard Three is yeah. great. We're gonna well, you know, let's save that. We'll get back to Die Hard Three another day. But I'm saying it right now, Die Hard Three is great. Alright, I'm done. <laughs> get off your hill. You don't uh, like it's better than Die Hard Two. It is. So it is. so I mean Die Hard's great and Die Hard's great. There's 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 a lot to talk about there. Don't don't get me started on <laughs> Die Hard Three. Who doesn't like Die Hard Three? So you've got uh, so McTiernan's in the project, and <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. Sorry, guys. Um, so McTiernan's involved. Yeah, he's telling stories. Arnold starts to get really involved with the casting of this project. Yeah, there's a lot of, and now, now this is, I think, where we're gonna break break it down by by character here. Like who's in this film? So you've is got Ar- Arnold. Arnold's in it. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Big, I don't even think we actually um, said think his that's name. his last name. Yeah. Schwarzenegger. Doesn't isn't the poster? Schwarzenegger, Predator, like two words. Yeah, I think so. Like Schwarzenegger, He's, his picture, his picture in like a scope. Which, and, by the way, wait. Do you want to go there? You want me to go there? Uh, go there. If his pic for you old school listeners, 
Maybe you Nintendo fans out there. If that picture looks extra familiar, take a look at the picture for a little game called Contra. Ah, for this, for the regular Nintendo yeah. NES, yes. Maybe you could do a face swap, and uh, that's his body yeah. for sure. Um, it's his body from it's him from Predator from mm-hmm. the poster, yep, and Stallone from from Rambo. Rambo, I, I, I don't, don't know, know which Rambo. Though. I think it's Rambo two. He's got the headband, the red bandana. It has to be because it came out before Rambo three. So, All right. yeah, and he's like um, leaning back with the gun. And then behind them is basically a ripoff of the Xenomorph from uh, Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Way to go, Contra. You took the best of everything. That art, that artist, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he just stole from everything. And and then if you look at Metal Gear, that's uh, right. that's it, Michael Bean from Terminator 1. Exactly. So, so um, Nintendo sure knew what it was doing. So talk about legacy. Yeah. It's going to live forever as a Contra ripoff art. <laughs> uh, so... Like we said, Arnold's coming off some... Arnold is at the peak of his career. Well, actually, I don't know if this is... This, this is, is not... No, no, no. He well, this a, is the beginning of the peak of his career. Because I think his peak hits, lasts like five or six years. Yeah, like the, where he's just... Like 87 to 92. I think it well, starts... Terminator to, 2 is 91. Yeah. and I then, mean, he's doing... He had already done... Kindergarten Cop come out right after that. Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. so he's then he's getting into the more lighthearted affair, but also still doing these action films. Yeah, I mean, he was True Lies is where I mean, True Lies was a big movie, but that's sort of by that point, I, I don't know if I'd say he's the number one star anymore. No, he, not of Hollywood, but I think you're still going to see that. Movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's part. It's it's also because of the supporting cast. It's not just. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis and him and Tom Arnold, who is great in that movie. Yeah. Uh, it's James Cameron. I mean, of all the Tom Arnold movies that you love, mm-hmm. that's got to be up there. That one, probably number three. Is right? he in Meet the Deedles? Yeah, they, yeah. And what's the one? Where the idiots or something? Oh my god! <laughs> what's it called? Yeah, the stupids or the something. The stupids. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Arnold was in a movie called The Stupids. Watch it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Arnold's coming. He starts off in some really low budget. Fun movies if you if you are an Arnold fan. Sure, Hercules in New York, which is not even his voice in it. His right. accent was still so strong they just dubbed him completely. Stay Hungry, the villain, which is a uh, a western with Kirk Douglas, hmm. uh, and then he does Conan, which is the first huge movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't forget Pumping Iron, but that's kind of a documentary. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Conan really Conan the Barbarian pushes him as. A new new wave of action star. Yeah, uh, does both Conan movies and Red Sonja kind of all back to back, and Red Sonja is like I always thought it was a third Conan movie because he looks exactly like Conan, uh-huh. but he's not. <laughs> uh, then he does Commando, Raw Deal, and that's kind of all leading into Predator. Yeah, so he he's he's he is a definite star on the rise. He's doing great. Yeah, he's he's a well known entity at this point and i think predator is the movie that puts him at the top yeah he can because it's it's boffo this this would probably be the most box office money for him mm-hmm. on pre, for predator yeah so now he's really earning bank so now he's he's a bankable star at this point you think yeah so that's why he gets some great projects after this yeah and uh, keeps making that money yeah oh yeah but he's involved with the rest of the casting he right. Uh, they're look so for Dylan. Dylan's a complicated character. Yeah, that's the role where you really need someone with acting chops. Mm-hmm. 
but you also need somebody who's gonna like physically compare with Arnold. Yes. Carl Weathers is the perfect fit. He's your guy. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, he's got a great body. He's in. Gr- he takes care of himself. He just stood toe to toe with with Stallone for four movies. Mm-hmm. He's coming off of Rocky Four, uh, which is great. Brilliant movie. Sure. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. for Brilliant. The, only for the eighties though. Yeah. Carl Weathers coming off Rocky Four. Boom. Uh, he's done a. He's was a former football player who uh, started acting. I think after a knee injury. And and he's he's good he's a totally good actor. Yeah, he's got the charisma. He he's got he's got the look and he's got the talent. I think he's. I mean, he had he had a great career in the eighties. I think he's an underrated actor. I was always kind of bummed that throughout the nineties he kind of kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then now he uh, of course has a great role in Arrested Development. Yeah, he had a, he had a great. <laughs> is he in the newest season? No. Okay. No, only the original. So, he, he, and of course, he was back in two thousand three yeah. in Arrested Development, <laughs> fifteen years ago. Yeah, uh, I'm not diminishing uh, Carl's Weathers' uh, career or anything, but yeah. I was just sort of making a joke that what you're referencing happened. Yeah, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically making fun of you. I'm sorry. Great, cut this out. Well, that's not uh, that's but not unusual. You're going to cut this bit out, right? You don't you don't like sure. me showing you up on the, on your own show. I know. I hate you. <laughs> Uh, another actor is uh, Bill Duke, sure, Bill who Duke. Uh, worked with Arnold on Commando, mm-hmm. uh, so they're already familiar with each other. He brings him right into this movie, playing the Mac character. Mm-hmm. So Mac is what the he's a the what's his role in the team? Yeah, demolition, demolition expert, yeah. explosive expert kind yeah. of guy. So yeah, he's uh, in the sequences. He's setting up traps, uh, the the mines, and all of that. And, he's uh, he's he also somebody who Dutch kind of conferences with like he's yeah he kind of advises dutch yeah i think he's sort of like dutch's number number one yeah number two i don't yeah, know yeah. number two um and his character out. mac is like best friends with jesse ventura's character who was blaine yes jesse the body jesse the ventura. body so Ooh. jesse the body ventura who's not i don't know if he's a household name anymore um he was a... Everyone knows him. He was the governor of Minnesota. I know, but I don't know if people know him now. Like Now he's like a 12-year-old kids don't know who he no. is. <laughs> now you know him more for his wacko conspiracy theories. And... Oh, does he have wacko conspiracy Oh, yeah, theories? yeah. He like lives completely off the grid. I think he lives in Mexico now, and he's oh. a very interesting... Is he a flat dude. earther? Um, no, I don't Sorry, think Sorry, guys. That, but... I'm, I'm not of the flat earther. If you are, all right, send us a tweet. And you know, debunk it for me. But I'm just gonna say I'm not into the flat Earth thing. Now uh, that Je- mystery's solved. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> back to the Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Jesse Ventura was a former Navy SEAL. Yeah. Uh, who turned into a professional wrestler in the WWF. And at this, at this time, I mean, the WWF was huge with Hulk Hogan and the Rock and Wrestling connection. And Jesse the Body was. A big part of that he was on saturday night's main event yeah all the pay-per-views so he was a very visible part of that yeah and, and at the time a real household name yeah uh so arnold brings him in and they, and they ended up working together a few times because they they worked together in running man yep he actually shows up in uh batman and robin too for a second he does yeah so they had a friendly yeah. rivalry going on yeah big big strong dudes in hollywood yeah and they, they they had a nice little back and forth. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I want to talk about this, the cast as a whole, for a second before we run down everybody else. So they really aren't Arnold behind the scenes kind of took on the same role as he, as he did in front of the camera. Like he's clearly the leader of these actors. He's the one kind of guiding them and setting the tone and they have a camaraderie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carl Weathers would, so they all worked out every morning at like six in the morning. Yeah. Carl Weathers kind of separating himself like Dylan would have doesn't want to work out with everybody. He wants everybody to think that that amazing body of his is just God's gift to him. (laughs) But what he would really do is show up two hours ahead of time, do his workout and be gone by the time the rest of them would show up. (laughs) So So he would show up on set and this like amazing body. uh And they're like, wow, you don't even have to work at that. Like you just have it. (laughs) Well, I'd heard that Arnold had flown in the gym, right? Like they're in, they're in, Mexico, right? Or Central... Where yeah, Puerto Vallarta. Oh, Puerto Vallarta, yeah. 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 So they had flown in, like, giant, like, I'm assuming shipping crates or something that... Or, you know, these these rooms that you could build. And he made sure there was a gym for them uh, at all yeah. times. Like, that. These, that's the commitment to the work. Well, and I think him and Stallone used to... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they still do anymore, but definitely in the 80s and 90s, they had a huge, very expensive gym that went with them yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's that's incredible. Got to keep mean, that body. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? I look at that same body in the mirror every morning, and just it's amazing. It's how, weird how much you resemble uh, Arnold's silhouette mm-hmm. in, in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they, Jesse and him would go back and forth, too. So yeah. Arnold played a little game with Jesse that um, – Jesse had, would, of course, measure his, have wardrobe measure his arms. And he would ask the wardrobe team, like, how big are, how big are Arnold's? And they're like, oh, 21 inches. It's like, oh, well, mine are 22. My arms are bigger than Arnold's. Great. So when they would be together on set, Arnold or Jesse would start bragging about the size of his arms and how, how, how big he was. And Arnold would say, like, oh, well, let's measure Jesse thinking that like I'm going to show Arnold up in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, Arnold set this whole thing up, so he told Wardrobe to tell Jesse what size his arms were, which was not true. Give him a fake number. Yeah. So when <laughs> they measured him, Jesse's like 22 inches, and now Arnold's 23. <laughs> Arnold's a, he's a genius. He's a, a brilliant, a brilliant prankster, mind. prankster genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they, they've got this uh, kind of connection between the whole cast. They've got. Uh, and b- going back to Blaine, Blaine and Mac are like best friends, really close uh, in the movie. So when Blaine is killed, and Blaine is the second one to get killed in a really gruesome way, which always stood out to me. Yeah. The- so he gets sniped in the shoulder and neck area. Yeah, and he spins around. He spins around, and then another, you just see this like blast come from the treetops. And just gut guts him, like takes out his whole insides. Yeah, there's and like if, a hole in his body. <laughs> yeah, there's a giant cavity there. Yeah. And I always, as a kid especially, I thought, like, how how did they do that? Movie magic. Movie magic. That you could see into his body cavity. And I still think it holds up fairly well that yeah, you can't good. see really where the body extension is, you mm-hmm. know, the effects. Uh, and you just see the, like, gross inside of his carcass. Yeah. And after that, Mac goes nuts, and they have another moment of masculinity. Oh, right. Where they all, like, line up and just unload. Like, Mac picks up that Gatling gun, and they just unload into the into the jungle trying to kill whatever it is that just took out Blaine. Yeah, Mac, Mac got a, just got a 
he as soon as Blaine dies, he got a chance to to injure the predator. Yeah, I think in like the predator. And he does. So he see he sees something running off in the jungle. So that's why he's just gonna start blowing well, and, and, bullets everywhere. And the predator kind of taunts him here because his eyes flash. Oh yeah, he's like, yeah, so, what's up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, what's up, dude? And uh, so yeah, he starts firing with the Gatling gun, and then the other all the other men like line up in front with their various weapons and just lay waste to like 180 degree vision yeah, of the jungle they just clear the jungle they just cut everything down so the idea that they're gonna hit him eventually uh and it turns out it didn't work out but well they're well, like kind of like a did. full minute screaming shooting every every bullet they have it's, it's oh my god it's yeah changing mags it's, it's like, quite a scene <laughs> and it's so manly and smoky <laughs> there's a lot of smoke in the and there's a lot of like cuts to arms and yeah. biceps and hands holding guns and yeah, yeah. it's it's almost like McTiernan was trying to tell us something. <laughs> it's a movie about feminism. Yeah. Uh, Sonny Londom is another another actor who plays Billy in this. He had worked with Joel Silver on 48 Hours. A great role in 48 Hours. Really. Uh, yeah, who do you play in that? He's one of the villains. Him and James Remar are the two, the two bad guys oh, in the yeah, movie. Yeah. But, uh, and he's has a reputation as a dangerous guy. So dangerous, in fact, that the producer's hired a bodyguard not for him but to protect the rest of the crew from him oh because he might lose his mind and and just go nuts on everybody if, anyone, if, if someone says the wrong kind of joke or yeah. says the wrong thing he's just gonna cool so you got an ultra violent <laughs> crazy person <laughs> until in uh, hollywood yeah and he's the uh he's the tracker of the team he's billy yeah. he's the one he's the one who really like senses they all sense that there's something off about this mission but he's the first one to actually sense a specific hunter yeah or element out there yeah he can he can tell there he could something's disrupting the environment mm-hmm. he's like sort of one with the environment in a sense and that's why he can tell like there's no the predator doesn't leave tracks anywhere even though he's running around the jungle like you can't track him mm-hmm. um and not just because you can't see him but just because just that's just how he is he mm-hmm. doesn't leave track of him. So and he's got the camouflage. He's impossible to. He's almost impossible to detect. But Billy can sense him. He knows he's there, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of funny that that and that's his specialty. He's always. It's all about the tracking mm-hmm. and figuring out what happened, who who came where, mm-hmm. all of that. So we see examples of that in the movie, and he's still being challenged by this this guy in a camo suit from another planet. Can't quite can't quite figure it out. And then we've got. Richard Chavez, who's not, you know... Dickie Chavez. (laughs) He plays Pancho, who's uh, just sort of another, like, muscle part of the team. Yeah, well, he's... And you wouldn't say he's, like, one of the biggest guys at all. No. uh, Him and Shane Black are kind of like these... They compared to these guys, they look like skinny dopes. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, but uh, he's the he's the he's got his grenade launcher uh, mm-hmm. thing. So he's he likes to blow things up. Yeah. So that's kind of what he brings to the, mm-hmm. the team. Uh, and he's God. What did we see? He was in Witness. He was a Vietnam vet, and I remember seeing him in the I think it was the War of the Worlds show that was after this. Hmm. But haven't seen. He's probably the least familiar cast member out of everybody here. Mm-hmm. To you, me, and many of the audience. Everybody. Nice. All three million people listening right now. Yeah, we've got a lot of viewers, listeners. And then you've got Shane Black. Shane, Shane Black. Black. Writer, director, Shane Black. Interesting reason why he's involved with this movie. So 
He's a guy who was kind of being mentored by Joel Silver at the time. Mm-hmm. He's an upcoming writer, and I think he acted a little bit. He but... must have had some on camera. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he's brought into the movie. This is a major action movie, right, by 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Being led by a director who has not done a movie like this before. Mm-hmm. And there was a fear that they were going to run into a real problem if this movie started coming undone at the seams. Yeah. So Joel Silver kind of planted Shane Black in there as an on-set writer, potential director, that if something happened with McTiernan and they needed to change things up, Shane Black would already be there and could step in and direct the rest of the film. <laughs> That's that's a brilliant move by <laughs> Joel Silver. Jeez. That's why he's a mega producer. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so he, Shane Black, he plays Hawkins. Hawkins. Hawkins, who has some, he, this, what limited dialogue he has, he says some really disgusting stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not PC with, in 2018. But he gets Mac to laugh, which, is it Mac that laughs? No, it's Billy. Oh, he gets Billy to laugh, yeah. and Billy is very stoic. He's he's trying to get Billy to laugh, like in the helicopter, and a, you know, a couple yeah. times he's like trying to kind of break the ice with Billy. Yeah, and because Billy's typically pretty stoic and just calm, and and but Billy laughs and laughs, and the Predator gets to record that and uses it against them later on. Yeah, which is a he does it a few times. He records Mac. He records Billy. Yeah. Does he record Dylan? He records. He, he does. A I few think he recordings. does. I don't know if he plays Dylan's back. I yeah. Don't know, but he definitely records a few guys. So you can tell that's another tool of the Predator. He's recording these guys. You can see them with heat vision. He uses a computer-based targeting system. Uh, he's got dope-ass claws that come out of his wrist uh, gear, and he's got a cool helmet mm-hmm. to cover up that crazy mouth. <laughs> that's what they call him on set. Crazy mouth. Crazy mouth. Uh, that's probably not true. Uh, so Hawkins is on set. He's doing. He's also doing some script touch-ups. So, mm-hmm. uh, the fir- like we said before, the first draft is from Jim and John Thomas. And like what happens in a lot of feature films, the writers are not as involved once a movie goes into production. Mm-hmm. The television, the writers are deeply involved all the way through. But in features, once they start shooting, it's really the director's medium. Yeah. Um, so Shane is on set with McTiernan and they're much more of the creative along with Arnold and Joel Silver much more of the creative team yeah. uh, tweaking things and and uh, helping guide it as it evolves he's also writing uh, he's writing Lethal Weapon while he's on set here yeah isn't that crazy yeah it's great so they shot this movie in early 86 then they must have gone right into filming Lethal Weapon, because yeah. they both come out in 87. Yeah, and Lethal Weapon came out three months before Predator. Yeah, but this is a much... I mean, this, this is, is an effects... Summer. This is a summer effects movie, yeah, so yeah. you know, like any effects movie, you need extra time, yeah. especially back then with the, you know, with the technology that was available, it would take longer to do uh, a lot of these effects. So. Totally. So he's writing Lethal Weapon like, in, in the trailer between takes... Brilliant mind, Shane Black. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. I uh, never heard from him after that. Yeah. Or wait a minute. Wait, did? Wait oh, we a did. minute. Oh, wait. He was all involved in all them Terminator movies. <laughs> uh, Shane Black is, uh, so he is really involved with the first two Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah. And then uh, he does he does Last Boy Scout. He's got 
his hands in a Monster Squad. He, his hands were kind oh, of all, right. although Monster Squad was before this, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, but his hands were kind of all over the place and evolved as a director over time. Yeah. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, The Nice Guys are great. Mm-hmm. Kind of, Shane Black has a really distinct tone. You can tell when a, like a, you can tell which is his movie. Yeah. Well, he does a Marvel movie too, right? Yeah. Iron yeah. Man 3. Of Iron course. Three. You and the Marvel movies. Me. Every, every <laughs> well, time. I always Marvel. try to just love talking about the Marvel oh, universe, God. cinematic universe. Oh, which one is it? Iron Man 3? I think so, yeah. The one with the ridiculous climax. Yeah. There's 50,000 Iron Man suits facing a bunch of uh, lava zombies. Cool. That's that's fun. <laughs> and Shane's actually the reason we're doing the show at all right now. I mean, without Shane, we wouldn't have what's coming up shortly. What's coming up this week. The Predator. The Predator. So the reboot, reimagining? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, uh, this, it's definitely a sequel. I don't oh, know right. how much, it's, it's not a really a reboot. It is a sequel. Oh, it's not a fresh take. It's not not fr- a fresh. Well, I actually could, have I've avoided the trailer too because I'm like I just want to see I want to see this movie. The trailer doesn't really tell you much. There's got to be some. And I really hope that there's a tie-in to the original movie at least. Yeah, I have a, I have a, it, I mean, it'd be amazing if there was no tie-in, no mention, no visual uh, wink. But I mean, you, I think there's it's visual links for sure from the trailer. You can you, there's oh, certain they? shots that I think are oh neat. Okay, yeah. so there is stuff. So that'd be fun. I mean, a little something for the old fans. And, yeah. Uh, and now this is a, this is the attempt to like not tie it to. I mean, Pre- Predator had what Predator two and yeah. versus Predator and yeah. versus Predator two, Predators mm-hmm. with the pianist and Ghost Dog. Yeah. Uh, and now this is the if, the next entry. Let me just say that if you can't get Arnold back mm-hmm. for any of the sequels, mm-hmm. the top two names I would pick mm-hmm. is Danny Glover and Adrian Brody. Yes. So I think they nailed it. So Shane Black is now back in the franchise, trying to reboot it, get it going again. Yeah, maybe do a better job than they have with the Alien movies. Hey, boy. The Alien movies do all right. Uh, do they? Don't they? Box office wise. Yeah. Do they do what they should? Is is that franchise? They did where... make a billion dollars each. <laughs> You're right. But they I mean, there's, there's a lot of beef about uh, about where, what Prometheus did mm-hmm. and what Alien Covenant. Like so many people didn't even see Alien Covenant. Oh, like me. Yeah, because of Prometheus. because of Prometheus. Right. Yeah. Although I'm definitely not going to go see Alien Covenant. Well, and that's interesting because Alien Covenant fixes the problems. It does a much better job of achieving what they wanted to do with Prometheus. It's like Prometheus Take Two, mm-hmm. but it kind of already watered down the franchise. I'm in the point. camp that I'm sure there is a cut of Prometheus that makes it a lot better, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't explain a lot of ridiculous plot elements, yeah. character choices, and, and and just overall what happens in it. I'm sure there's a better version of Prometheus. I don't care. Hopefully, Predator, the Predator. Doesn't make the same mistakes that Prometheus did. Well, hopefully, pre- the pre- the Predator is is keeps it streamlined. Keep keep this story going. Give us. We're gonna have a lot of the great Shane Black action set mm-hmm. pieces that are gonna be awesome. I'm yeah. sure. Um, but if it's if it's all about just upping the ante every time, like the modern the modern movies kind of do these action movies. I mean, I don't know. But he did Iron Man three. Great story, more or less in that. Throughout, throughout that ends on a it has some great Shane's a great, Shane's a great Shane is a great storyteller yeah he, he, that's why he's making movies 
And I want one of two things to happen in this, in the new Predator movie. You don't want two things. You want one of two. I want one of the two. What are they? If both of them happen, I'm going to, like, explode (laughs) in the theater. (laughs) I want it to be the Predator's mother is coming to Earth to find out what happened to it. And it took 30 years to do that. Well, you know, space travel takes a long time. My my kid's been missing for kind of a while. Yeah, let's go back to that planet. Or... Mm -hmm. The Predator does its thing, the whole movie goes by, and it rips off its mask, and it's Dutch. (laughs) He's been turned. It's like Friday the 13th, Part (laughs) 5. It was Dutch the whole time. (laughs) Or Danny Glover. I can't, I, that would be, that'd be really, that'd be insane. Predator's mom and Dutch is Predator. Wow. Yeah, right? You should have made the Predator. I should, I should be running this franchise. Why did you not pitch that? Why did you not pitch this? Maybe I called Shane. Who else is in this movie? Is there anybody else in this movie? <laughs> there is. We didn't even talk. There's like Kevin Peter people. Hall. Kevin Peter Hall plays the Predator. He's the he's the man. So he is a very large, meaning tall, mm-hmm. uh, actor coming off of Harry and the Hendersons. My favorite. And the whole. I guess we should talk about the Predator itself, the ev- the, the evolution of that character. So, like the look of him. Yeah. I mean, what you see in in the movie is not the original vision of what that character was. Right. It yeah. was originally a longer, much more uh, like insect-looking uh, creature, mm-hmm. and Jean Claude Van Damme was the original guy in the suit. <laughs> and Jean Claude Van Damme, at this point, I don't think was anything. Right? No, he was no. I mean, he was a martial artist, but yeah, yeah. he wasn't a movie star yet. Yeah. Uh, and he did this movie. Because the the character was going to be more like a ninja, mm. really aerial, doing like flips and and that kind of maneuvers. Yeah. Uh, but it was just mechanically really difficult in the suit. He was obviously overheating. I mean, they're in the the jungles of of Mexico, so it's already hot, and he's yeah. got this late big latex suit that probably didn't breathe right. Oh yeah. So it was just physically really difficult to do. And it just it didn't look right. I mean, you can you can look go online and, and look up the original look of the Predator, the Maybe. original design. Yeah. And it just nobody was happy with it. Once they started, they got out there and they started shooting. They shot some footage with it. Mm-hmm. It just was not working, and they kind of had to go back to square one and redesign the character. Oh. And they brought in master creature maker Stan Winston. Stanley Winston. So Stan Winston is hired. Uh, he helped develop the Terminator and later Jurassic Park and, and the dinosaurs there and just so many, so many uh, creatures, really. Yeah. And he's on a flight with James Cameron, who starts giving him pointer, you know, his pointers of about what, what would be a cool-looking uh, you know, monster. Yeah. So Stan takes a couple of those and develops uh, what we now know as the Predator, which is like another iconic uh, movie monster. Yeah. I mean, I'd put it up there. The Predator, the Xenomorph. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, they're more sci-fi monsters. But, you know, I think they're right up there with Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. He's sort of he's in both camps of that. 
Um, yeah, that's... that thing, right? Like, I mean, he, this is sort of a sci-fi movie, but not really. It's more of a horror movie. Like, I, I think, I think you hit it perfectly. It's it's, just... This movie kind of dips its toes into a lot of different yeah. uh, areas: horror, action, horror, action, sci-fi, sci-fi uh, comedy, comedy maybe, western, western, drama, love story, love story. <laughs> You could argue all of them. I think it's all in there. It's a, <laughs> it's a perfect movie. It's got everything. It is. It is the perfect movie. Yeah. But so Stan Winston's got to come in and put a nice big suit, come up with an interesting look yeah. for uh, for Kevin Peter Hall. Yeah. So Van Damme leaves the project, and they want a physically much more imposing presence, and that's nothing against Mr. Van Damme. No, of course. But just, like, they wanted somebody who towers over Arnold. Yeah. And, I mean, Van Damme is, like, four foot six. If that, if, more like if three that. foot two. Because Arnold's only five foot one. So Van Damme's ego inflates him to like six nine. Oh, oh. dang. Oh, <laughs> shots fired to Van Damme. Jeez. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, no, we love him. No, uh, we'll course. talk about him later. Welcome but... to the show, Jean-Claude. First mention. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> bell. <laughs> the bell. Give me the bell. Uh, so Kevin Peter Hall, huge actor, uh, just physically. Tall. Yeah, tall. But sadly, uh, passes away in the early in the early nineties. So, well, he did. He is the only actor. Well, what he's officially the only actor who appears in Predator Two from the first movie. Although Anna has a very small role on a on a monitor in Predator Two as well. Oh, uh, Anna played by Elpidia Carrillo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mexican actress. Yeah, Uh, Uh, she was in Salvador. With James Woods oh. and a movie called Let's Get Harry, which is is that H I H A I R? That's in my that's in my grandma collection. Oh, mm-hmm. who's in that? What's that movie? About? It's Robert Duvall, Mark Harmon, uh, a whole bunch of uh, mm. Gary Busey's in it. It's a Busey. let's go let's go to uh, Mark Harmon's a guy who gets kidnapped in South America and his buddies in like the Pittsburgh, you know, or Pennsylvania like mining. Oh, a bunch of blue collar yeah. uh, schlubs. Yeah, like, like, oh, we gotta go to Mexico. Round up some money and hire Robert Duvall, who's a former military guy, to oh, okay. take him down there to rescue their buddy. Oh, is it uh, a drama? Is it? A, it's an action movie. It's an action movie. Yeah, cool. Uh, very, very eighties, missing an action type. Let's go. Let's go back to Vietnam. Right. Rescue the POWs type movie. Oh, but, got it. Oh, and that's in the grandma collection. Yeah, that's in there. Oh, lots of goodies in there. Yeah. Uh, and that, but that rounds out the uh, the cast, unless I'm forgetting anybody. No, oh, I think you kind of hit. We hit everybody mm-hmm. uh, who's in this film because mm-hmm. it's, after that you don't. That's it. There's just well, there's a bunch of uh, soldier guys who die who have no character uh, work. Um, that's true. This is yeah. it. it's a it's a small cast. Is there anybody not in this movie? I mean, any names that maybe like could have? I don't know. We could think. I mean, well, you know what? How about I take you? You know what? Let's let's pack up the stuff and let's go over. Let's yeah. Let's, pa- I'm getting my bag. Let's go to. Let's get over the corner. Yeah. Here right. we go. All here right, Chris Here we go. All right. All right. Yeah. So let's. Here we go, guys. Fire let's, away. Let's do fire. it. So question number one. Now wait. No. Now wait. What? Re- re- just rewinding real quick. What? Remember how amazing it was last week. Oh. I mean, we have the man himself. Yeah. Well, he he was on the show, giving us feedback he, on back to school. He gave us he he gave us about ninety seconds, 
to just like fire molt, fire away. Get it? You know, we had him. It's amazing he was here. We we're so glad he could he could stop by on his vacation via telephone. I mean, what a what a treat. Um, he, I, get, I mean, we've kept that intern here 24 hours a day. Greg, I think he's just been monitoring the phone in case yeah. he calls. Um, There's the Kurt line. It, it's a Kurt, red phone. Yeah. And um, I don't, you know, has anyone got Greg lunch lately? I don't know. But I, no. we haven't heard from Kurt. Maybe we should probably check on Greg. Uh, shit. No. All right. Well, anyway, back to the back to the corner. Here yeah. we are. A quick corner. Quick corner. So, John, is Kurt Russell in this movie? No. Agreed. Should have been. Should have been. Well, uh, because he's not in this movie, though, I need to know. Who's got the best hair of this film? Arnold. Yes, Arnold's got the best The dude. crew cut looks, I mean, looks perfect. Uh, now, because... Uh, uh, now, could 1986, when they're filming, Kurt Russell fit into this movie? Oh, absolutely. He could play... God, I could see him being... He could be almost anybody. He could be almost anybody. He could... He could if he got he jacked been, up, he could have been Dylan. Oh, imagine a jacked up Kurt. Jacked, oh, my like God. jacked up, like Tango and Cash. Times Jacked like it. three. Times three. <laughs> well, more. He could. He could have been Dutch. He could have been big. Yeah. Yeah. He could. Gl- been, he could have been glistening easily. I think so. Uh, Given enough time. I could see him being Dylan. I could see him being Mac. Mm-hmm. I could see him being Poncho, but of course that would have to be a much bigger role. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'd have to give him more to do, but boy, he would fit in nicely with these fe- mm-hmm. these, these fellas. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, let's just quick. I mean, we're we're gonna streamline this. Mm-hmm. Take me from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Kurt. It's six degrees. It. Let me go. It's get me there. It's funny because you'd think two big names of the '80s. You'd think they'd be like directly linked. They were never in the same movie. No, but there's it? a couple of. There's actually just right off the top of my head. There's a. Do it. There's a couple of routes you can go. Go ahead. I'll give you two. Go. You can go. Uh, Kurt Russell to Jamie Lee Curtis, yes. who has a voiceover, as we talked about in Escape from New York, which you can listen to in the archives. All right. Uh, she has a voiceover in the beginning, Jamie Lee to Arnold in True Lies. Wow. Or nice. you yeah. go Kurt to Stallone, Tango and Cash, or Guardians 2. Right. Stallone to Schwarzenegger in all the Expendables, that. any of those movies, Escape Plan. Wow. And there you go. Wow, nice work. That, yeah. that just ties it up. That's yeah. great. There's a, there's a lot of two steps between them. Mm-hmm. You got a lot. You can get MC Gainey between uh, Arnold and Terminator 3, apparently. Uh, and then, oh, yeah. And then Breakdown with Kurt. MC yep, there you go. Uh, Sven Ole Thorsen, actually, even though he's in Predator and you wouldn't do a direct Arnold to Sven. But Sven was also an overboard, apparently. Yes, he was, yeah. And, and of course, Sven in any other Arnold movie. Yeah. Uh, so takes you there. Uh, Mel Gibson, Tequila Sunrise. Ooh, From the Kurt. tequila. Yeah, and then, of course, Expendables. Oh. Right, we got a drag race happening. So, and then finally, my favorite, uh, Kurt to, in Furious 7 to Jason Statham to Arnold in Expendables 2. <laughs> so that's my ultimate. There you go. Uh, but I had one final question. Let's spice it up oh, a little. Spice Let's, away. Just real quick, because we're talking about him. What? One, what's a role Kurt should play? And then two, what's a dream role you want to see him play? In general? Just he can play anything. What should he play? And then what do you? What would you love to see him play? Modern. Well, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Kurt play the president. 
Oh yeah. Oh, he could do. President. He could be a great president. Hmm. I would. Uh, I think I agree with that. Yeah. I, I'm thinking more. I, I'd like to see him like an Atticus Finch type. Like, oh, a, lot, you know, a legal battle. A John battle. Grisham. Uh, yeah. Just did he going. do any Grisham movies? No. Grisham? I don't think no. so. Um, like the client. Yeah. Oh. The client. The firm. Kurt Russell the is the client. The client. Um, but then I was also thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you could play like Bugs Bunny? <laughs> like, whoa! <laughs> like, there you go. What would he do? Uh, I think he would be great as Bugs Bunny, live action. All these cartoons turning into live action movies. Yeah. Why, why would Why would he not play the live action Bugs Bunny? Why not? He'd be perfect. I mean, we've already said he can do anything. He can so do anything. Anything he wants. Um, all right, that takes us out of the corner. Unless there was one other role you'd love to see Kurt in what, you know, you said oh, the that's, that's off the top of my head right now yeah, I know I, I ambushed you with that and maybe I, the leader of a biker gang a futuristic biker gang isn't that like that uh, Grindhouse movie he was in oh yeah know? right was he in a gang or was he by himself oh, yeah. I, I don't remember I don't know I haven't actually seen that all the oh, way uh, anyway anyway alright well we're gonna pack it up get out of the corner uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kurt, again. We will, hopefully, we'll hear you dial yeah, in on the next one. We're looking forward to hearing back from you uh, and getting you back in the studio. Your seat's all shined up. and We're waiting for you. we got a, we got a mineral water waiting on the table. Now, I want to, I want to circle back and talk about the Predator a, a little bit more. Well, who is this now? The Predator. Wait, which character is that? Um, I'm not familiar. I don't know. Uh, Peter Cullen, who was Optimus Prime, does actually the voice and the scream of the Predator. Really? Which, when you think about it, you can really hear that it's him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Peter Genius. Cullen. Peter Cullen, love that voice. Uh, the Predator cost a million and a half to make. Cha-ching. Out of a $15 million budget. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. But you need it. I mean, that's the, the, it the looks, crux of the movie. It so. looks gorgeous. The suit? the face yeah oh my god and it's, it's such it's awesome yeah <laughs> it's really great it's really well done and it's really cool how you don't actually see the predator till the second half of the movie after it gets wounded that's the first time you actually see it because yeah. you see it's almost like jaws really that which again you can uh, pull from the archives mm-hmm. you see its point of view you see the predator vision and you see the camouflaged version of the Predator, which is interesting how they did that. Yeah. What they did was they shot, uh, they would have a, basically a guy in a red suit, this like orangey red suit in the jungle shooting those scenes, right? Where the Predator is. Yeah. With one, with one set lens, right? Mm -hmm. Then they would remove that guy because they needed a color that would stand out. So they couldn't use green. They couldn't use blue. Yeah. They had to use something different. Then they would remove that guy, reshoot the, those exact shots with a different lens. So when they would optically merge those shots, that's how you get that distorted look. Oh, it's right. Two different lenses blended together. So you get like rotoscope in the uh, the outline of the body exactly. into that. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so you're yeah. seeing the same thing, but transformed a little bit. Yeah. And they did it over and over because it is like this layered thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really looks cool. Yeah, it's kind of, it's an old school optical illusion, really. Yeah. Uh, but it was probably Kevin Peter Hall, right? It would, it I don't think time? that it was in the red suit. Oh, okay. I think it was like a, just an effects guy in the suit, but okay. I could be wrong. But like but. a seven foot tall guy? I don't know. Well, because you don't need it to be that tall because oh, right, right. you don't really see it, especially compared to Arnold. You really needed that size difference when they're like 
when you see the Predator against Carl Weathers and when you see the Predator against against Dutch. Gotcha. Uh, but he, when Kevin Peter Hall is in costume, Oof. he can't see anything. So that oh, really? that battle at the end, uh-huh. I mean, he nailed Arnold. Uh, like Arnold hated filming that scene because he didn't hold it against Kevin. But yeah. but I mean, the guy's just trying to memorize where to swing and where to move his body. Yeah. And if Arnold, if their timing wasn't perfect, he was he was going to connect with Arnold, and Oof. he did. Yeah, nailed him a bit. A little bit. Ouch. Zoinks. Yeah, and Arnold got bloody as hell in that. In that sequence too. I mean, like the, the oh yeah, the predator. It, it does. It comes down to a fist fight. I think Arnold gets two punches in, and then the predator is just beating him with a right and a left and a right and just and blood, a left just, and a right and, and, a, a, and, a, and then another right and then another <laughs> left. But uh, it got bloody. Like I don't, I don't even remember uh, how Arnold got out of all of it. It just all I remember. He just is the finagled punches. his way. He yeah, he, uh, he finds uses smarts. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Dutch. Some of the great things about this movie are the are the one-liners. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, these characters have, like, a lot of them have, uh, especially, like, Jesse Ventura has some great lines in this in this movie. He does. One of which I'm not going to repeat. It's yeah. in the helicopter. You guys can all, yeah. you know, tune back into that. But uh, I ain't got time to bleed. Mm-hmm. Great line, and it's a line that he's held on to uh, his whole career ever since. He said it before. He said it after. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, all right. No, I can believe that. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. But yeah, it's uh, it that's stick around. <laughs> when Arnold <laughs> impales a a guy to a tree, <laughs> it says stick around. Stick around. Yikes! Like. If you took that out, this would become a more serious movie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this becomes a real savage movie. That it's that I think that's part of the thing with the, the action a, movies, though, that they keep it a little. Some other action movies just keep it a little too lighthearted, a little too. It's kind of a know, wink at the audience, yeah, you know. We're having some fun here. Here's a little throwaway pun. Yeah, I'm like ugh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Most of the Arnold movies, I feel like he makes it work. You know he can make it work. I think it, and I think it, it all culminated in Batman and Robin, where he played, oh he played Mister Freeze, and, and literally that. every line he has is an ice pun. Oh. <laughs> You've seen that you, YouTube yeah. clip? You got a few of them. <laughs> uh, what uh, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age, and uh, <laughs> it's cold as ice. Yeah, it's cold as ice. We get it. It's cold. <laughs> but uh, all of the Arnold movies. And then he, all point, have... he points his gun at people and says, freeze. <laughs> and he freezes them. Like, great. Got it. We know what you're doing. We're clear that you're Mr. Freeze. And there's Got a million it. of them. There's a YouTube. It's yeah. all of his lines from that movie. That's kind of, it's like, enough, Arnold. We get Jeez. it. But the, but at this point in, in his career, these, these one-liners, are, they're zinging and zagging, yeah. and they're fantastic. And that stick around is his only, like, like little fun he's having in this movie like duke's having a hard time and most of this movie is team dutch you call him duke, call him duke. like, like he's a D member words. of the joe team sorry well he basically looks like yeah him. he is but uh yeah dutch is having a hard time you know uh after after being betrayed by his friend and then now his team is getting killed and he's just trying to survive mm-hmm. uh i mean what do you think the most oh, well I don't, I don't have to ask but the, the most famous line from the movie there's a 
So that we hear, we've heard so yeah. many times. Yeah, it's uh, but a, it's it's such a great line and an Arnold's another Arnold staple. Sure. Well, and we can't forget uh, Jesse Ventura's thing about this chewing tobacco and how it'll make you a sexual tr- tyrannosaurus. <laughs> what a great that, line! That's what he was. He's a sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> that's a thing. It is a thing. Why does he want to be a sexual tyrannosaurus in the helicopter in the jungle? But. What? Why? What does that matter? He's just got to. He's, he's just, just got to prove he's it. He's got to prove it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. Um, every time I get on a helicopter, I whisper that line to myself, <laughs> and I'm on helicopters most days. So, going just circling back to what we talked about in the beginning about what's kind of a cool element to this movie is is seeing Arnold as the as the essentially the the teenage girl in the horror movie. Yeah. You know, taking so taking uh, not necessarily Arnold Dutch and his team out of their element because they're in their element, just being dominated. Mm-hmm. And you've never seen Arnold as the underdog in in all of his movies oh, up to true. this point. Yeah, he's yeah. the alpha guy. He's, he's the alpha male. He's like Terminator One. He, I mean, he's the villain, so yeah. he's got the upper hand. Yeah. And in Commando, he's, I mean. I love Commando, but yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But he's, uh, he's just like raids by himself, full of weapons, raids this compound, and just destroys everybody. Yeah. At, at no point really is he the underdog there. Yeah, you know he's going to take everybody out. Yeah, but here he's he's being uh, beaten essentially. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great moment where. Basically, Duke is the last one left. He separates himself. You did from... it again. I call him Duke, and Duke. I was literally in my brain say, "Don't say Duke." <laughs> I literally was thinking it as I was talking. Uh, so Dutch finally separates himself from Anna. He's trying to get away from the predator, and you know he falls down the river, down a waterfall. He's in the 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 lake or whatever, and you you see him actually terrified when the the predator's invisible but moving through the water toward yeah. him, and. He's, he just struggles to get to shore, and he crawls through the, the cool mud and gets covered. And he crawls up under the, you know, under a, some up against or... a branch. And he he puts himself ready to prepare to death to die. Like he he's got a Christ-like pose. Yeah, he, he puts giving his arms up. up. He's gonna just like sort of just take whatever's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the predator uh, misses him. Yeah, and it gives him that gives him the juice to figure out. Ah, I can't. I, he doesn't see me either. Now I now I've got the upper hand. Yeah, and it was an interesting way to circle back with the the heat vision, mm-hmm. you know, the thermal vision uh, of the predator, kind of like going back to that plot element and using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was just a great little twist there that gives uh, that last that final act of the movie a little bit more juice that yeah. he could re. It gives him a way to regroup and reassess and and find a way to try fighting back. Yeah. He d- yeah, and he, I mean he com- he crafts his own bow uh, well, out of tree it, trunks. Like, yeah, over the over his back he bends oh, a giant like, man's so, man. But he knows he knows this Boy Scout shit, which I think someone someone in the movie said like we're just gonna do this Boy Scout stuff, and that was the only way like to set a trap, go old school. No, don't use technology, don't use weapons. Like that's the only way you're gonna beat them. Well, they they learn pretty quickly that running away is which is which they never do. No, I mean in their other missions you can assume that, but they they running away is not going to work. This no. thing's just going to keep following them, and he luckily stumbles the, into the heat element of yeah. it and getting covered with the mud and, and hiding his body heat 
but he knows he's got to fight back and he's either going to live or die. He's either yeah. going to win or he's going to get killed and that's it. Yeah. That's There's it. no more running. Yeah. So now you've got this, we talked about it earlier, this mano a mano fight. Yeah. The, uh, and I forgot. As a conclusion. Yeah, it's great. He, the, like, again, the predator takes off his guns. He takes off, I think he takes off the hooks that mm-hmm. he would have. And he even takes off his helmet, which provides him the thermal vision. So he sees he sees true vision, which it's not as it's it's like it's his version of just seeing regular. I think he still sees in like an infrared kind of everything is everything is like one color mm-hmm. or whatever whatever his vision is. But it, he doesn't have the advantage uh, necessarily. Right, without the heat, it's like a blue gray. I think so. Like just look, or wasn't it all red, or was it all was blue? It? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He, but so he he strips himself down to to go. All right, they're basically going as they were, as they are. Um, yeah. In a fist fight, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And, and not, and it's not like a bunch of like cracking their knuckles, like we're gonna fight. Yeah. Like, like no, I'm just he takes his shit so, off and uh, like we just go, and the fight doesn't go like long. It's it's an MMA fight. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically. Uh, and I really love the ending. Um, after, you know, Arnold is victorious, and, or Dutch is victorious, and we see Anna return with the general, with R.G. Armstrong, yeah. and the helicopter after this nuclear explosion has gone off yeah. and leveled the jungle, and through the smoke is just Dutch. And he, does he have a cigar? No, I don't, I don't think should. so. He could have. I think he has his hands on his hips or yeah, something. Yeah, he's, he's just, just like, like... But I like that he's not... He's nonverbal at this point. He's, tra- I mean, you can make an argument that he's, he's traumatized because that last shot is just him completely spent and just like almost like the look in his eyes is just glossed over. He's yeah. like he's in a different place. And and in the rest of the franchise, we never we never see Dutch again. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they think they only mention him in the second movie uh, briefly. And you don't know what happens to him. You could make an argument that he's he's got some psychological issues from this. Maybe he, you know, who yeah. knows what he's doing. Know. In the books, in the books that followed up this movie. Novels? Of the this? novels. Oh, okay. They, uh, his brother is the main character, hmm. and he's trying to find out what happened to Dutch. He can't. So, oh, he so not know where he is? Yeah. Neat. So there's a whole, I mean, I think that's where that argument comes from, that why did... Dutch never appear. Not talking about the behind-the-scenes reasons why Arnold never came back to the franchise, right. which was more of a monetary and schedule thing. But yeah. why did Dutch never appear anywhere else? Right. So right. I don't know. Some I like form. that, yeah. like kind of dark ending. That like he lost too. Not only did he lose his guys, but he lost his mind. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point of doing any of this <laughs> for him? I'm sure. Because it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's not that. Uh, happy ending like Commando and Running Man and, and Red Heat and some of the other ones like he saved the day and he's the hero it's like oh he's he's really you know he's screwed up yeah how do you how do you go on after this yeah this shit and obviously not a not a reality based movie but that's a real a, a real moment there I no. feel like at the end yeah I mean what, what what would a guy like that do after a situation like this yeah this is entirely plausible which is you know something that war veterans you know it's PTSD mm-hmm. after it's a similar thing I think when war veterans come home after having gone through you know any of any battle yeah. Vietnam Afghanistan whatever mm-hmm. uh, it's traumatizing psychologically yeah so it makes sense absolutely 
Uh, and that's part of like what I think what stands out about the movie. There, there's um, so much that I think holds up. So how did overall, how did the movie, how did the movie do? I mean, it made a lot of money. It sure did. It was uh, made a nice chunk of change. Um, uh, we'll talk some numbers. Let's talk a little numbers was, here. Oh, the budget was fifteen million dollars. It was shot in. Budge. Yeah. yeah. Fifteen million, which isn't as big of a number as you'd think. Yeah, it's considering the just the location work and yeah. the people and involved, and you but just it, think bigger numbers. And it's yeah, a you know, it's or you know, the effects aren't that crazy. Other yeah. than the Predator, itself. I think most a lot of the money went into the Predator and the effects and and uh, just the logistics of shooting on location. But you've got you don't have an expensive cast because you've got Arnold, mm-hmm. probably Car- Carl Weathers is number two, and the rest of them are not you know they're not top dollar guys, especially yeah uh, yeah I mean at that time or any point after yeah well Shane Black probably got some money afterwards but probably uh-huh. <laughs> but. Uh, so you know, not a not a super expensive movie now. I mean, I I, I don't know the numbers for the Predator off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. if you made this movie now, oh, this is two a hundred million at least. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm curious what the the Predator. And I definitely did. put Chris Pratt as <laughs> as predator. Dutch. Oh, Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be a really wacky Predator. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, no. The uh, so with fifteen million though, yeah. Do you it. It's it wasn't an impressive year necessarily, but it's top twelve. It's the number twelfth of of the year. Yeah, uh, made fifty nine point seven million, so yeah. almost sixty million. Not bad for a summer movie no. in eighty seven. I mean, Christ! What it quadrupled its money opening, uh, or I guess on its run, right? Yeah. Uh, it came out June twelfth, nineteen eighty seven. Mm-hmm. About sixteen hundred screens, which is pretty top of the line. That's that's kind of the higher end of uh, re- big releases at the time. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, like you said, twelve million dollar opening, number one that opening weekend. You you remember what it opened up against? What its mm. competition was? Um, I don't. What did it open against? I would say it's counter programming. Oh really? Uh, it it opened up against Witches of Eastwick. Oh yeah. And uh, the Believers, Witches of Eastwick was. I think there was an attempt to to kind of combat this movie on a on a monetary sure. scale because you've got Jack Nicholson as definitely top top star of the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. uh and it's him was it who are the women Cher, michelle pfeiffer and susan sarandon right uh, yeah are those the witches of those eastwick? are the witches of eastwick not bet midler <laughs> it's not beaches wasn't bet midler in a Wait, witches movie beaches of eastwick <laughs> the, beaches. the beaches of uh yeah it's the beaches of eastwick yeah uh, but <laughs> okay yeah, that's. I mean, that's a pretty good cast for any movie, right? There. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's a great movie on its own, but uh, not not going to outdo Predator in 1987. No. Uh, and what was the world? Do you have the worldwide numbers? I don't. I got. I, I got it here. It's nine, 98.2 million worldwide. So that's for 87. That's that's pretty darn good. Hot dang. Yeah. Yeah. Good money. Uh, number. Eight of nineteen eighty seven is that? I have a uh, no. I you got I, another. Number? I have a number that says it's twelve based on uh, my data. Okay, so it might have. I don't know, but we've talked about nineteen eighty seven movies before mm-hmm. with a, on a previous episode. 
And you you just went ahead and listed the top ten at that time. I did, and now I've I've since forgotten it. So can you remember any of those top ten? Uh, these were the movies that came out the year before Midnight Run. You were saying how the sensibilities of audiences were changing. So what was well what was the number one movie of '87? Stars, you might raise your glass and say cheers to this. Oh star. yeah, number one movie. Oh. It's in the grandma collection. Oh, which one? Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, number one movie, 167 million. Ranks very high up there for me on a on a on an 80s level, not yeah. necessarily a, a deep plot. Uh, sure, but just the fun level. But as I said, a, a four quadrant movie I probably haven't seen since 1990. Uh, oh, you, I can't wait to cover Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> Can you remember any of the other top ten? Well, uh, run it down for me. Run it down for me. Well, after that, Fatal Attraction. Fatal, uh, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop Two. Oh. Good morning, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonstruck. The Moonstru- Moonstruck? Share, baby. Shares in two movies? Two movies? Well, yeah, that was. Uh, wow. Yeah. Moonstruck. That's sure blowing my in, mind. Sharon Witches of Eastwick, are we sure? Yeah, she, probably yeah is. she is. Remember, some of these movies are late late releases in the year. Uh, also, The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, definitely top movie. Yeah. The Secret of My Success. And what's the secret? Wait a minute. The, oh, the secret is Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's always the secret. But uh, Stakeout. Oh. Emilio. And Richard Dreyfus. Welcome back, Richard. Uh, <laughs> then, what else? Come on, another action movie. Still top 10. Came out that year. Over the top. <laughs> Did that come out that year? Uh. Uh, dir- uh, dirty Dancing. Uh, no, Lethal Weapon. Which we talked about. I know. The way I, I'm so secret of my success and Moonstruck made more money than Predator. It's really tight. Let me yeah, give you and they're all right near each other, aren't they? Yeah. Here's the range. Secret of my success was seventh, made sixty six point nine. Predator, which is twelfth, made fifty nine million. So it's addition, and all those other movies are really close. But here's the thing. The Witches of Eastwick made more money. By, it made $4 million more than Predator. Wow. It had more staying power, yeah. I think. You know? Not opening weekend, but yeah, it may have had more more legs. Yeah, it, I mean, because it, it made $9 million on opening well, weekend. Well, because everybody came to see Predator the first weekend, and then they went to see Witches of Eastwick. So it actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's what happened. I think most people were just double double featuring. They're, they're mm-hmm. going into Predator, and they're like, well, you know what? I love the movie so much, I'm going to The Witches. I'm going to see them witches. And, of course, Dirty Dancing is 11th. So it was a great year for the top 12. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do you even know what else came out in 87? Can you just think of any? Uh, Living Daylights. Sure, okay. Is that is that right? Moonstruck. <laughs> we mentioned Moonstruck. Secret of my success. Son of a bitch. Uh, Robocop. Dragnet. With I thought a, Robocop was 88. But that's not according no, to you're this. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, what else? Broadcast News. Mm-hmm. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Full oh. Metal Jacket. Wall Street. Mannequin. Roxanne. Whoa. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. Back it up. Go Mannequin. Mannequin. Mm. Love that one. Okay, that better have been a positive oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're not trashing Mannequin okay, on this not show. not at all. Uh, Spaceballs, the classic. Up uh, Grandma Collection. Adventures in Babysitting. Mm-hmm. Princess Bride. Mm, baby Boom. <laughs> Diane Keaton. Inner Space. What a year. Jaws oh, for the Revenge. Benji, we talked about that one. Benji the Hunted. Project X. That's a lot of movies. That's a lot of movies. I mean, every year of the 80s, like 85, 86, 87 especially, it's like 
I don't know. Like the top fifty are all great movies. Yeah, you're just gonna you can pop any one of those in. You're gonna have a good. Time. Although I refuse to believe that Moonstruck and Secret of My Success uh, outperformed Predator. Moonstruck made eighty million dollars. Get out. Eighty million. Get out. No, I, all right, I'm out. <laughs> Predator was twenty one million behind it. Anyway, uh, critic wise, it was it was mixed reviews initially when it first came out, but yeah. over time, I mean, this movie's I think uh, gotten a little more uh, got a little more love from the critics over time. Okay, it's yeah. like we talked about earlier. When you look back at it and you see Arnold's body of work, this is definitely top tier. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, overall, this franchise. What do you think about the Predator franchise? You know, I'm fine with it. Honestly, I I haven't. I saw Predator two uh, at a year a couple of years after it was released. I'm sure. What year did Predator two come out? Ninety. Ninety. Yeah. Uh, so I saw it in nineteen ninety seven at a <laughs> right at, on time at a formal dance after party. <laughs> so that was my introduction to the entire movie. Uh, and then I hadn't. I saw a little bit of Aliens versus Predator. Mm. Um, it's not bad. No, thank you. It's all right. Uh, and I didn't see the, any other movies. So, you know, but it, there's people that want to see Predator movies. Uh, well, it, it's you, the ongoing comparison is between the Alien and Predator franchises. And both have strong, I mean, incredibly strong first movies. Obviously, Aliens is amazing as well. Yeah. And then it's just kind of just kind of downhill after that and and neither really has a clear direction a lot of political maneuverings that i I think interfere with the on on screen uh product yeah it's uh well i i think you just you can't recapture the magic and then when you try to reimagine it or give a new scenario it's just it's tired It, it can be tired to see these things uh like okay it's predator 2 is it's it's a predator, but he's in a city. Like yeah, okay. I, and I get that that they kind of be just cool. changing the setting. Yeah, which is an, a good idea. But I mean, my problem with Predator Two is is you just nothing against Danny Glover, but he's not a replacement for Arnold. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a whole different movie. It's it should have just been another horror, just a, some crazy. Horror, well, you know, especially horror. at the time, I mean, Danny Glover's doing the Lethal Weapon movies where he's just talking about he's too old for this shit. Yeah. Portraying him as an older guy, and then you about face, and he's definitely a little more bulked up, a little more muscular, and that you can tell he's a little more in shape. Yeah, uh, you're trying to like follow up the masculinity of Arnold, and it's just I don't know, I, I didn't buy that gear shift. <laughs> yeah, you it, know, it, it's troublesome when he is. Yeah, he's playing that older character uh, in other movies, and, and then it's just, just oh, forget that. Well, forget. he's in another action movie, but he's definitely younger. Yeah, or he's definitely he would be up for this kind of challenge. Yeah. But, um, so I, I, that's the main problem. I don't have a lot of problems with Predator Two, mm-hmm. um, plot wise. It makes sense to me, mm-hmm. but just that element really holds it back. Uh, and then it's just, you know, again, what works about this movie is the simplification of the plot and the uh, the story. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movies, it's overcomplicated. It's changing the setting. Yeah. The Alien versus Predator movies, again, it's a hard movie because you don't have a Who's your good guy? Who's your hero? It's a reason it took those movies forever to get made. Right. And a reason why people didn't like them as much. Mm. Um, the Predator, uh, what was it? The Predators is a completely different setting. Yeah. Uh, just another movie that doesn't, it doesn't work. Adrian, uh, Adrian Brody's a fine actor. Yeah. Not in a Predator movie. Okay. 
so I'm really excited to see where this new movie is going to take it. Hopefully, we're turning a corner for, in the in the franchise and getting back to where it should be. Yeah, Come on, Shane. Hopefully, uh, Jacob Tremblay can really turn this franchise around. <laughs> And then who the hell else is in this movie? I don't even know who's going to be in the Predator. We're going to find out. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to hold I'm going to hold my breath and and check it out this weekend. I have a feeling there isn't a real alpha male in this movie, is there? Uh, like from, a giant like buff dude. Well, like, there's it's, an, it's the, all I don't want to spoil anything because you haven't seen the trailer. But there, there's another team. There's a oh, team okay. element here. So like the X Men are there. Predator versus X Men. Don't don't give it away. Sorry, they're both owned by Fox. <laughs> Um, with all those crossovers, really quick, uh, you know, I'm sure the comic books did a lot of stuff with the Predator and Aliens. And comic books kind of work. Yeah. The comic book version of Alien versus Predator uh, is actually pretty good. Mm, okay. But it's a different, it's a whole different element. Yeah. I mean, it, it can work in a comic, but doesn't mean it's going to translate to no. the screen. Well, we've seen that continuously mm-hmm. um, for the failed comic book adaptations. Yeah. But, uh, like, I'm sure there, there had to be, like, a Star Trek The Next Generation versus Predator, like, kind of thing, right? Like, Things that take place in space, aliens and shit, like because a lot of these Picard versus the Predator. Well, I like I flip open, um, or I go to like a comic shop and like I see older like comics I had never seen that had come out, and it would be like a lot of these IDW. I think is the group that does a lot of the crossover, mm-hmm. a lot of the the licensed properties yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I think they 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 probably did like Next Generation versus Predator, yeah, or, or the originals. Star Trek versus mm-hmm. Predator stuff like that. I think that's kind of neat if you want to you want to mash up the Ninja Turtles, yeah, with fan, almost like fan fiction type stuff. I mean, it's not fan fiction, but it's similar. But like you know, Just what go for it? What if the Predator was female? Like you, you know, Riker is going to be hitting on her. <laughs> hey, you want to go to Rise of Four? What's the sex plan? R- Rigel, Rigel, is it no? I don't know. I think it's Risa, Risa, or it doesn't matter. Anyway, crossovers uh, kind of kind of muddy the water a little bit yeah. you, you want to get back to basics that's what the predator is going to do for yeah. us and uh hopefully yeah uh, but what do you think the the what do you, does does predator stand the test of time i think it i i think it does i think honestly it, it's it's a you want an action movie um that makes sense and doesn't it isn't complicated you can have fun with it and it's not overly it's not overly violent really i mean people die I mean, it but was in the day yeah now i wouldn't say it is like you know there's some blood but it's not uh it's not a it's not glamorized you know you're not seeing inside bodies mm-hmm. well you see jesse's body explode but you're not and you see an eviscerated hawkins or like his guts out you there see but... gu- yeah you see entrails but it it's it's not as horrific and gory as 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 things have become and you know it can take place basically any time. It's these guys in a jungle. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a modern. Yeah, I mean, movie. it really it could take place any time. It could be present day. Yeah, so it's kind of neat to to have that. Yeah, I, I think I think the movie works. Um, I'm glad I got to see it finally uh, all the way through. Yeah, uh, I think it uh, absolutely holds up. I, I I get sucked in every time. It's a great story. I like the characters. I think that's a really important yeah. and difficult thing to to keep these characters likable i mean you're really with them you're really you know you're propelled with them through the jungle and on this on this adventure it's a fun movie uh the the action holds up really well it just works everything works it's kind of firing on all cylinders yeah. and and like we said before it's a it's ultimately it's a slasher film mm-hmm. uh in a new setting and i think that makes it stand out and is different 
And because of that, it's got a life. Uh, I, I don't see it ever really dying out at this point. I think it's got a life of its own. Yeah, I think it, it's it's a Hollywood uh, mainstay. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you should definitely give it a rewatch. Give it a rewatch. Uh, anytime. Go ahead. Anytime. So that's and that's Predator. That's Predator. We that's, loved it. We loved it. I'm a fan. Five star. I'm a, I kind of want to watch all the other Predator movies. Speaking of five stars. Oh, yeah. Uh, why don't you guys take, take a minute. We'd really appreciate it if you uh, check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. It'll take 30 seconds out of your day. Yeah. Uh, rate it. Review us. Give us some. You can tweet at us. Tweets to Graham. Yeah. Hit us up. Reconcinimation yeah. at, at, on Twitter and Insta. And the Facebook page, Reconcinimation Podcast. Yeah, do that. Um, we appreciate any feedback. We, and, yeah, those reviews, It's just a, it really is just a favor for us, but it goes a long way to keep us out there. If you're enjoying the show, the, the five-star and maybe a, a handwritten review, man, just it helps encourage other other people. But we appreciate having you guys with us week to week, uh, especially over there in Canada. Canada. Sweden. Finland. Finland. Uh, Japan has the, a listener. The, Swe- the Swedes love us. Swedes love us right yeah. now. It's, it's we love interacting with you guys and all over the globe, wherever you are. Yeah. Keep listening and, and uh, you know, tell us what you think. Yeah. So... Thanks for listening, guys. We're we're real excited to have you, and we're looking forward to another great lineup as we go into the fall, through the fall, into October is around the corner. Yeah. Mm. A whole new batch. A whole new batch. The new of, batch. Of movies coming your way. Maybe that's a hint. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but stay tuned, and we'll be, ba- we'll be back with another show in two weeks. Two weeks. We can't wait to see you. Bye-bye now. That's my line. Yeah. Bye now.